Welcome to another episode of Operation Climate. My name is Catherine, and I'll be guiding you throughout this episode. These days, the kids are stressed. I mean, how can we not be? We spent some of our most formative years navigating a pandemic, keeping up with controversial Supreme Court decisions, and literally worrying about world peace. And on top of that, there's the climate crisis. It's no wonder why eco-anxiety is a phenomenon affecting people all over the world. With climate effects becoming more intense and frequent, many young people are struggling with mental health effects having to do with worries about ecological destruction. As our guests for today's episode, the founders of Circularity Community, point out, 67% of Americans say that they are somewhat or extremely anxious about the impact of climate change on the planet, and 55% are anxious about the impact of climate change on their mental health. So people are literally anxious about their eco-anxiety. And I've seen this with a lot of people that I talk to. As a host of Operation Climate, I've talked to a lot of people about climate change, and something that comes up a lot is that People tell me they often don't even think about climate change because if they do, they'll emotionally collapse. But if we are completely paralyzed with eco-anxiety, how productive is that for the climate movement? Well, Circularity is looking to do something about that. My name is Kiana Kazemi. I'm Saraname. Together we co-founded Circularity, which we like to think of as the community hub for tackling eco-anxiety. Kiana Kazemi and Saraname are the founders of Circularity Community, a media platform that aims to support young people in overcoming their eco-anxiety. Go to at Circularity Community on Instagram and you'll see a variety of eco-anxiety resources, from educational guides on the relationship between mental health and the climate crisis, to eco-anxiety stories submitted by community members. Let's dive into the creation of Circularity, starting from the name itself. What does Circularity mean in the context of eco-anxiety? Well, the reason we began calling it Circularity and then it evolved into Circularity Community was because we were hoping to create a narrative that was countered towards like a linear economy or an extractive lifestyle, because that is what we had felt we were entrenched in at the time. And in the same way that in a circular economy, like products get moved and created into something new and molded into something new, we want like people who are um, engaging in environmental activism or doing their best or trying to just understand how they can show up in the world to be able to like sort of give back to themselves in a very circular and uh, supportive fashion. Yeah, we actually started off creating this project, not necessarily wanting or setting out to tackle eco-anxiety exclusively, which still isn't what we're doing, but it has become really core to our mission and it's really central in the work that we do now. But initially, Sarah and I both actually have engineering backgrounds. And so we both studied data science at Berkeley. And we were really heavily involved in the eco community on campus, more specifically, the environmental justice community. So working at the intersection of social justice, environmental justice. And then for us, thinking about how technology and engineering plays a role in that. And so we came together and we were like, how do we use these skills that we're learning and apply them to 
the things that we're really passionate about, the things that we really value. And then slowly our work evolved into what circularity is today, because along the way, we found out that we personally were facing so much eco-anxiety around, you know, environmentalism, around the climate crisis, around the communities who are really at the forefront of the climate crisis. And so we were like, okay, like this is the thing that we want to tackle with all of the skills and passion that we have. Now let's rewind and define what eco-anxiety actually is. Here's how Kiana and Sarah put it, and why it's important to distinguish it from other anxieties and mental health issues. Eco-anxiety is kind of defined as a sense of doom, anxiety, depression, feeling overwhelmed, feeling exhausted by the thought of the climate crisis and the thought of climate catastrophe, which is something that's really prominent in our media today. And it's something that a lot of especially young people are really grappling with because it's really making them think about their future and what kind of future they even have ahead of them. So that's what eco-anxiety is. And we found that 67% of Americans say that they are somewhat or extremely anxious about the impact of climate change on the planet. And 55% said that they are anxious about the impact of climate change on their mental health, which means that people are literally anxious about their eco-anxiety. And so the the huge difference between, you know, normal mental health crises and eco-anxiety is that it's really bridging this gap between two huge um, issues in our society, mental health and environmental issues that young people are kind of very new to. They're kind of this generation that is not only struggling to combat things like climate, the climate crisis from the get-go, but they're also in this period of time where mental health is really key and mental health issues are really popping up everywhere. And those two things combined together haven't really been studied before. So even though there are studies on the climate crisis, obviously, and there are studies on mental health in youth, it's really hard to find really well-developed research on eco-anxiety itself and how these two things intersect. Something that makes eco-anxiety very unique in terms of like other anxieties and other mental health issues is that when you're dealing with something like uh, anxiety about a test or anxiety about like a, something that's going to pass in your life, it's usually something that will go and you can deal with that sort of anxiety afterwards and sort of, you know, grapple with it. But eco-anxiety, unfortunately, the climate crisis so far has no set end. So you're kind of constantly thinking about it and it's just hanging over your life. So the problem with eco-anxiety is that you can't solve the root issue, but you can definitely work through these different interventions and um, just try and build up your personal and emotional resilience. The World Health Organization has said that eco-anxiety is a legitimate condition that should be treated like any other form of anxiety. Many therapists are now beginning to specialize in treating eco-anxiety. However, therapy isn't the only method of dealing with this. Here are circularity suggestions for dealing with climate anxiety. One of the things to do is spend meaningful time in nature. So within our community programming in the Bay Area, we will do like eco healing hikes and spend some time in nature reflecting on our relationship with the environment, relationships with each other. Another one is environmental education and action. 
a lot of folks are lacking environmental education, um, which is frustrating because they want to be able to take action in whatever ways they can, but they just don't necessarily have access to the resources um, because environmental knowledge isn't prioritized in every basic level of schooling. Another one is traditional therapeutic practices. So things that are, you know, recommended in normal therapy, like uh, building dialectical skills or, you know, understanding and coming to terms with, you know, meditation or journaling. These practices work for a multitude of mental health issues. And so we kind of just like adapt them for working through eco-anxiety. And the last one is having access to a strong community. And that's, I think, where both in-person and social programming really, really flourishes. And something we've found has been extremely helpful recently has been uh, eco-anxiety stories. So folks will either anonymously or sharing their identity, share their like stories of eco-anxiety, how it's affecting them, you know, who they are um, and ways that they're trying to work through it. Or just, you know, if they're not figuring out how to work through it, then they'll literally reach out to the community and ask other people, like, how are you doing this? And what are things that we should be doing? And just kind of like creating that space and facilitating a community, especially for folks who maybe don't have it after being online for the last two or three years. The climate crisis brings about a ton of ugly feelings, fear, despair, and hopelessness about ecological destruction and the negative impacts that frontline communities are already facing are common feelings that come up. However, there is power in facing these negative emotions. Dealing with eco-anxiety doesn't mean that we squash these emotions and put them in a corner, effectively ignoring them until we can't ignore them anymore. There is value in feeling eco-anxiety, and here's why. The funny thing is that actually tackling eco-anxiety is also great for climate action because the way to tackle eco-anxiety is to take climate action. And so again, it's this beautiful little circle back to the name circularity. We see that the way that people start to feel empowered and start to see their symptoms reduced is by all of the things that Sarah mentioned, which then lead to people actually taking action. We're able to see that you know, once people have been able to work through their emotions, they've been able to find a community, they have access to environmental education, and that they have access to things like nature, they're able to get together with the people around them and start to build resilient communities and take action as a community. And an important part of this is that it's not about individual action, right? Individual action is, of course, really important, but we see that when we take collective action, we start to have really big impacts. And that's why the emphasis on community when it comes to eco-anxiety is really essential for then taking action as a collective as well. This really beautiful loop of just being able to connect with people, share your story, and then together creating a plan that is good for you and your neighborhood, your community to be able to take action. In the past, I've personally felt guilty about experiencing eco-anxiety. During the summer of 2022, when I was recording the interview for this episode, I was living in Texas, which was experiencing intense heat waves during that time. On days that I'd have to go outside on field visits for my job, I'd come back home with a raging headache and intense sweating from working outside for even just a couple hours. And I'd feel so much anxiety thinking about a future in which every day would be like that. 
but I was also in a very privileged position. Once I came back from work, I had easy access to air-conditioned facilities. I wasn't working a job that required me to be outside very frequently. I had ample access to water and healthy foods and could keep my body safe. And in recognizing my privilege, I honestly felt guilty because other people are experiencing much worse climate effects than I was, and they have less resources to deal with it. Was it selfish for me to be feeling this eco-anxiety as a resident of the Global North? Is feeling eco-anxiety only something for the privileged? No, not at all. Sarah and Kiana offered some insight that really helped me in dealing with these questions and my anxieties about my eco-anxiety. Definitely talking about it more in North America and in like the global north. And I think that's because we have had a wave of mental health reforms and uh, mental health discussions on like a national and sometimes a regional scale. But that's not to be said that it isn't being felt other places. I was in Lebanon a few months ago and uh, they actually had the longest winter that they've ever had. People were feeling very, very stressed out about it, like crops in the Kadisha Valley weren't really coming at the right time, which is concerning because a lot of people, especially elderly folks there, live directly off of the land. But the difference is that in the global north and in places where we have like more access to mental health and less mental health stigma is that we have created, you know, this literature and these names and we're able to, you know, talk about our feelings more openly rather than having them be these abstract things that a lot of folks feel but aren't able to connect on. Even if you know, we were the only ones feeling it. It's certainly not selfish in any which way. No matter where you are in the movement and no matter how you're showing up, it's important to, you know, recognize that privilege and make sure that you're uplifting others and, you know, sharing platforms and giving them your space and your audience and resources when you can. But however any individual feels ultimately is valid. And there's You know, no one can say, you know, you're not allowed to feel these things because you're still experiencing like in Texas, these heat waves are still happening and they're affecting people's lives. Surely it's better than, you know, something happening in Bangladesh where they're losing coastline. But at the end of the day, everyone is having their own individual experiences with their land and their environment. And because eco-anxiety is so intrinsically tied to the land that you're on and the place that you build connections on, everyone is going to feel it in their localized way. Obviously, we have access to institutions that have the resources and the money to be able to research things like eco-anxiety and do mass surveys. And we have uh, nonprofits and corporations that are talking about issues like eco-anxiety, whereas in a lot of other places around the world, these resources aren't available to even do this kind of research. And I think, in fact, in in many of these places, eco-anxiety has been prominent for much longer than it has been here, because these are the places in the world that have been facing the climate crisis for much longer than we have in North America. So I'm sure that it's something that has been affecting people across the world for a really long time. And maybe we're now just finding the words to describe it. And I'm sure that that will pass through the rest of the world very quickly as well. But I would say that even for us, it's been something we've been experiencing for a long time, but are kind of recognizing the language for it now. Dr. Jennifer Atkinson is a professor at the University of Washington. 
In 2017, she created a seminar on eco-grief and climate anxiety with the goal of helping her students process their complex emotions surrounding the climate crisis. The seminar has been extremely popular with students flooding to register, but Dr. Atkinson's class has also received a lot of outside criticism with people mocking her students as wimpy babies that need to grow up. Dealing with climate emotions isn't a snowflake thing to do. It's powerful. Here's how Sarah would respond to these criticisms. These are the same folks who have been suppressing their emotions for years uh, under the guise that it makes them stronger. And I think if there's anything we've all learned by now, it's that naming your emotions and understanding how to deal with them make you a stronger and more resilient person. There's nothing, there's no like, pride and being stoic and refusing to acknowledge what's going on inside of you. And ultimately you cut yourself off from a lot of community and a lot of connections when you choose to suppress certain parts of yourself. It's also very frustrating because I feel like people like this equate speaking about feelings with like femininity and equate femininity with weakness. When I think all of us here know that ultimately it is a huge strength and it is our power. Oh gosh. Yeah. Just go to therapy y'all. So now we know that naming, recognizing, and dealing with our eco-anxiety is a powerful step in forwarding our climate journeys. So what's the end goal of grappling with eco-anxiety? Are we supposed to completely get rid of it? Or is having some eco-anxiety actually a good thing? Here are Circularity's thoughts. Having a sense of anxiety is actually very normal. It's our body's reaction to a stress or a sense of doom that is very much real. And so one of the first things we tell everyone is that eco-anxiety is a very, very normal reaction to all of the environmental news and the climate doom that we are experiencing at all times. I don't think there's any way for us as human beings to get rid of eco-anxiety or any kind of anxiety because it is a huge part of our normal reaction as human beings to the situations that we're in. But what's really important is to keep that level of anxiety at a level where we can still take action, right? So it's good to experience eco-anxiety at some level because it's what's pushing us to take climate action. But if that eco-anxiety starts to make you feel like you can't get out of bed, you feel hopeless, you can't connect with people, that's when we need to start treating it. So experiencing eco-anxiety is something that we're going to face for as long as we live in the society that we do, for as long as the climate crisis is something that we are tackling. It's going to be here and it's going to continue to exist. So what we can do is to create more resilience towards it and start to help young people and anyone experiencing it to be able to manage it more and to really help them empower themselves with this anxiety that they're feeling. Yeah, I think a lot of us get started in the environmental movement or like start moving into this space because we have some small amount of eco-anxiety that tells us that we should be concerned about the state of the world and we should be doing what we can to to protect our environment and our lands and our futures. But when it gets to that point where it's, you know, stressing you out and every single day, you know, you wake up with an unhealthy amount of anxiety, or like Kiana said, you can't even get out of bed. That's ultimately how we see a lot of people also even drop out of the movement and just experience burnout and and fear and depression. So yeah, as long as we can give everyone the tools that they need 
to, you know, work through these issues and slowly, slowly, you know, take care of themselves. That's the goal. The first thing that calms me when I'm feeling eco-anxiety is if, if it's accessible for you, get out and spend some time in nature and like really just take some time to build your meaningful connection and appreciate what you have right now. Even studies show that even just like five minutes of being in a green space can significantly reduce like acute anxiety at the time. And then start to think about, okay, how can I channel this eco-anxiety or these eco-emotions I'm feeling into like greater work? Start small and then look for a community that can help you propel your activism, propel your work, and really just amplify what you can do as an individual. Community is really important for me personally. I really don't think I would have been able to get through a lot of moments of just feeling really overwhelmed about the climate crisis. If it wasn't for my family and friends and community, the most important thing is to just vocalize how you're feeling, those raw emotions, sharing those with people, with people that understand, that experience them as well, is really helpful. And it helps you feel connected to people that share the same values as you do. Sometimes it's not even about taking action, right? It's really just about sitting with others in your community and sharing how you're feeling. And then you can come back another day to take action. But taking care of yourself means that you won't burn out and it means that you'll be there another day. You'll be able to get out of bed another day to take that action. If you don't have a physical community, you can join our community. You can share your story on our platform and connect with others and just know that there are millions of people out there in the world that feel just like you do and that want to be in community with you. Let's summarize this episode. One, eco-anxiety is a real phenomenon affecting people all over the world, and it has a growing body of research behind it. Two, you're allowed to feel what you feel. Recognizing your negative emotions surrounding the climate crisis is a step to forwarding your involvement in the climate movement. Three, great ways to deal with eco-anxiety include spending time reconnecting with nature, taking environmental action, and being in community with individuals who you feel comfortable with sharing your feelings about the climate crisis. And as always, we have some action items for you that you can take after listening to this episode. One, keep updated with Circularity Community. Follow them on Instagram at Circularity Community and check out their website to stay updated about resources, workshops, and events that they offer. Another action item, sit down and allow yourself to think deeply about the climate crisis and your feelings surrounding it. Circularity also offers a lot of amazing journal prompts that can help you work through those feelings. For example, close your eyes and imagine the world you'd like to live in one day. Once you're ready, reflect on how you can create parts of that future for yourself today. And three, be in community to soothe your eco-anxiety. Talk to someone you trust about your feelings surrounding the climate crisis. Chances are, they feel some of the same things that you do. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Operation Climate. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts to stay updated about future episodes. For a full transcript of this episode, head to our website at bit.ly slash Operation Climate Podcast. 
stay updated about other Operation Climate things, follow us on our socials. We are at Operation Climate on Instagram and at Operation Climate on TikTok. And we hope you join us next time. Bye.